Today's episode is brought to you by CVTSport.net, Central Vermont's local sports video leader. Our guest today on No Fouls really doesn't need much of an introduction. He is, I saw written today, the Dean of Vermont Basketball, almost two decades at the helm of the UVM men's basketball program. Please welcome Tom Brennan. Tom, thank you very much. It's, um, I'm flattered. I'm, I'm really happy that you're here, and I'm glad to be with you. And thank you for inviting me over. Little cloudy and snowy, but still one heck of a view. Well, thank you. You're very perceptive, my boy. I'm glad. I thought, you just invite them here. You'll knock them out in the beginning. But then if you, if you suck on your interview, then you'll just have to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> so growing up in New Jersey, was it always basketball for you or was it multiple sports? It was multiple sports early. Uh, and that was back, I'm so old, Tommy, that that was back in the day where everybody played multiple sports, really. You know, that doesn't happen much today. But, uh, yes, all sports I went to was, uh, you know, a Catholic high school with only a couple hundred kids, so you kind of did everything. Uh, but once I got in high school, uh, I kind of knew that um, uh, if I had a future, that it was, that it was going to be in basketball. And it turned out, uh, very fortunately for me, that it was. You were the all-time leading scorer for your high school. What kind of basketball was that? Well, I'd say it was it was Vermont Division One for sure. We were real small. We were a small school in a, in a small part of the state. But you know, I, I you know I don't know. It was it was competitive enough to get me a scholarship. That's there for sure. Go. So, uh, and then the sad thing is, my sister broke my record when I left. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the ooh. That's a bragging rights at Thanksgiving type of thing. There you go. That's exactly right. Thank God she's humble. <laughs> I always love to ask, who is the first coach that you remember having an impact on you? It's funny you say that. It's a gentleman named Tommy Hank, uh, who lived right next door to us when I was growing up. We lived on a kind of a row home in, in uh, New Jersey, and uh, and he was my hero, uh, not only because he married the best-looking girl on the block, but um, he was a star in high school, and then he signed with the Phillies coming out of high school. So we were just beside ourselves right. that we had a guy living next to us that was in the Phillies organization. Now, I don't know. I don't even think he made it for a cup of coffee, as they used to say. Uh, but he made it up to at least double A. And um, so by the time I got to know him, he was a he was a retired baseball player, but he was still a big name right. and a wonderful guy. And uh, and he influenced me greatly. You know, and I'd knock on his door and say, yeah, come on, let's go and play catcher. Let's go play basketball, you know. And um, and he had, two, he had two little kids of his own, you know. But he always took care of me. And, uh, and uh, you know, it was really, really nice, uh, Tom, about that relationship. And I had several. I'm blessed. Um, like when I was at William & Mary in the 70s, uh, we beat North Carolina once, you know. We beat uh, Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech, which hadn't happened in a long time. And to be able to call, I'd call a lot of people, but to be able to call him and say, this is a guy that looked out for me, you know, when I was in seventh grade, eighth grade. Matter of fact, my dad, uh, and I love my dad. We had a great relationship. I don't mean to be uh, nasty, but my freshman year uh, took me off the team at Christmas when the, when the grades came out. And um, I was just beside myself. I could not believe it. I, and I was so upset. I was hollering at my mom. I was hollering at my dad, you know, and, 
And, um, and, and let me say, that was back in the days when he could have knocked me out if he wanted to, and nobody would have right. said anything. But anyway, he just said, no, no, you know the deal. You know the deal. You can't, you're not, you know, you don't do it. You're not going to do it. And um, I was, oh, man, I, I, can, I can remember right now have, how physically nauseous I was. And, uh, and I walked right right next door, right next door, banging on the door. He won't let me play. He won't let me play. <laughs> and he opened the door. He said, come on in. What's going on? So I sat down just across from him, just like I'm sitting across from you now. And I just poured my heart out. And uh, he said, you knew that, didn't you? You knew that if your grades were, weren't such that you weren't going to play. Or, this is not a surprise, is it? Yeah. <laughs> I said, no, it's not a surprise, but it ain't right. You know. He said, listen, buddy, you know, you know I'm your guy. You know you can come here anytime. But, um, you know, I got nothing for you here. You got to get the grades better. It's just that simple. And he opened the door, <laughs> and I went back home. And uh, so that was a – I remember that to this day. I remember it uh, and how much I loved that guy and how, how good he was to me all the time. How much of an impact did that have on you in terms of when you went into coaching? Because anybody you talk to, anything you read, was the absolute love you had for your players. Right. Right, and and I think uh, in his case, in Tommy Hanks' case, he was such a good man. That was it. It, it ain't like what he, he told me to hit the curve or anything. Right. You know what I mean? But he was such a good man, and and he would practice incessantly. Like when he coached, like little league or or juniors, you know, it was like, damn, you better get ready because you you know you're going out there at six o'clock. You ain't coming home at six thirty. You know, you're going to practice. And you know, I can remember I, I was a. a a first baseman, and we had a third baseman who was a good. Now we're talking eighth graders here. It was a good kid. Was a good player, and um, and I remember Tommy lined up balls between third and home. I mean eight or nine balls, and he'd have the kids sprint, pick up the ball, throw it to me. Go back to third base, come back, sprint, throw it to me. And uh, and rarely did the guy make a good throw, of course, on a run. And uh, right. but but it just it, it just it got to me, you know, what a hard worker he was, and and how. He was attentive to details, those things. But, you know, I, I, I don't want to say this the wrong way, but part of me, you know, we might as well get right to it, part of me was an entertainer that found coaching. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a coach that found entertainment, you know, yeah. which ended up being a part of my life. Right. But that was not, you know, I love to play. I love to play way more than I love to coach, you know. And, and I'm all beat up now, Tommy. I got stenosis and, and something with my feet, you know, something. Can't walk all the time. And, and, um, and, and I say to myself, when I die, when I die, the very first thing I'm going to say to God, where's there a game? Where's there a game? I ain't looking for an NBA game, a game I can play in. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to go play basketball. The minute I get to heaven, that's what I want to do. <laughs> uh, we were talking, I was talking to Steve Pratt, who I know you know, and he said his favorite form of basketball is pickup. It's just it? finding a run. Amen. It's not necessarily organized. It's just 10 guys on a court. And you know what, Tom? The fact is I, I thought this every year that I coached, every year, exactly what you said. So much. The best, most fun is without coaches. Without, no doubt about it, without coaches. Mm-hmm. But then I always used to say to my team, but then comes December and I find out maybe you need me a little bit. Right. <laughs> but he is true. He is right. That is just run a basketball. There's nothing better. Nothing better. It just, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it my whole life. And I was blessed because I got to, you know, I got to use it. And uh, mm-hmm. 
So, but yeah, my, uh, I, I didn't, I dreamt about becoming a coach because I knew I wasn't good enough to play in, in, in professionally. So uh, I just thought, well, what's the next best thing? And honest to God, <laughs> this might sound ridiculous, but I don't know that if I couldn't have put a suit on, that I would ever coach basketball. <laughs> if I had I to go know. like they go now, right. well, I would add, I don't want to know. If I can't get dressed up, this is a whole big part of the day for me, you know. So getting dressed as as, as uh, childish as that sounds, that was always a big deal for me. It was always like you come out, you look good, your kids play good, you know, all that stuff. And uh, But I, I, uh, I never... I never outsmarted anybody, you know what I mean? Mm. And I love the game, and, but, you know, and I, I love the fact that there are five guys in one ball. I mean, how difficult can it be, really, right. if you break Just it down? put it in the, yeah, in the simple. But, but that being said, uh, obviously, as you know, uh, there's, there are a lot of little tricks, and there are a lot of things that you learn. And, but basically, to me, more than anything, it's just uh, having your team believe in you totally, and having them ready, just having them ready. I, I used to say before every, before we left the locker room, every time I would say, "I'm rooting like hell for you. I know you're ready. Now let's go see what they got." You know, and then off we'd go. And mm-hmm. and it was I loved it. I mean, I walking out that you know I used to play a song when I came out. You know, uh, uh, Jackie Wilson said, yep. and uh, and the song was three minutes. Three minutes long, and that song would start, and I would start coming out, and people would raise hell. It was just, I just thought to myself, you are so lucky. You are so lucky. And then you got Sorrentino to throw it in the copper wrap. You're even luckier than that. Yeah, you, know? <laughs> yeah, you the rock star of Vermont. <laughs> you said coaching kind of found you. You weren't necessarily looking for it. Was that... Did you kind of see that coming while you were at Georgia, or was it when you finished, let me find the next step? No, it was while I was there. While I was there, I thought about it. And again, man, I, I looked at my head coach. I thought, this guy's really sharp. You know, he got 40 suits. He's got 50 right. pairs of shoes. <laughs> He's coaching in the SEC, making good money. Man, how bad can that be, right? And I, honestly, and, and I wasn't close with the guy, to be honest with you. I, I didn't think he was that great. But, but just his from a, a view from afar, I thought, man, this guy really. And he was so collected. And he was so sharp all the time, you know. And I, that, that just really made a, an impact on me. And then when I, when I finished, I was like, I don't know, three classes short. Uh, my uh, when I got out in '71, so he allowed me to stay on and take the three classes and then start graduate school, and then I would help with the freshman team. Back then, they had a freshman team, so I thought, man, this is great. This is like this is a great break. And once I did that, once I got into it and practicing and teaching and 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 hugging and all that, I just thought, man, why wouldn't you want? Why why wouldn't you want to do this? You know, but. But I always, you know, uh, like I said, the ESPN thing, you know, I got to go there. I blew that. I mean, because I just wasn't, I, I didn't realize how hard a job it was, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, I, remember my, <laughs> I remember my wife saying to me, Tommy, you cannot arrive somewhere Friday afternoon at 4 o'clock and say, you know what, in 72 hours, I'm out of here. I get to go back home. <laughs> yeah. saying, Nobody does that is great. You can't do a bit. You can't be great and do that. And, and honest to God, Tom, I've... I felt so, uh, not inadequate, that's not the word, but I felt bad because I just thought there are 10,000 people that I could call up right now that would kill to do this job, would kill, mm-hmm. you know? 
And I'm thinking, oh, you know, Jesus, what kind of show are we going to have Sunday? And I'm like, come on, man, this is ESPN, you know? And I work with great people. And uh, I remember one time, but I wasn't any good. Uh, I remember one time, uh, Dave Revson, who is now the head of the Big Ten Network, you know, just the classiest guy you ever want to meet. We were doing a game, and at halftime, he said, uh, Coach, uh, we're going to need a little more from you. And I said, Dave, less is more. He said, right, Coach, but nothing is not more. <laughs> that is fair. I said, bingo. So anyway, so I was there four years. But anyway, I never was driven there. I was never mm-hmm. driven. Like, you had to be like any job if you want to be great at it. You know, yeah. I wasn't. I just, I, I thought, you know, you go down there, you charm people, you tell them some stories, and, um, and off you go, you know. But it, it's not like that in television. You know, television, you get 15 seconds. You know, and then it's on to the next guy. Or, 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 or I was always just amazed at how we would get ready, get ready, get ready for a game. And as soon as that game started, never mind halftime or finished, we were talking about the next game. You know, mm-hmm. Monday night we got Kentucky and Tennessee. Or yeah. I'm thinking, what the hell? What's going on here, you know? But that, I got ahead of myself there. But once I st- at Georgia, my fifth year, I knew that that was something I wanted to do. I thought I could do it, you know. And, um, and then I caught the greatest break of my life. Uh, being hired by the great Bill Raftery at Seton Hall, <laughs> who was who was one of the greatest guys I ever met, uh, and then uh, after a year there, I was I was part time, and that was so I got a great I got a great Seton Hall story. At Seton Hall, I'm a part time, technically a part time guy, but when you're coaching, you're never part time. Yeah. you know that, right? You so, get paid for part time. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. So I get um, I'm teaching at this high school in Newark, and it was right out had riots in in uh, New Jersey and. 72, down in Newark, 72, 73, and it was nasty, and it was tense. It was really, really tense. So I'm in this high school in downtown Newark till 3 o'clock, and then I drive up to South Orange to Seton Hall, which is about 30 minutes, 25 minutes. I go to practice or whatever it may be. Well, in September till October 15th, back then, you know, you were recruiting or whatever you're doing. But I would go in, I'd say to Raph, listen, are we going to talk about practice? Or we? And he'd say, yeah, yeah, Tommy, don't worry about it. We'll get to it. That's okay. So next day I'd come back. We're going to talk about practice today? Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. Like, like I'll tell you when we're going to talk about practice. <laughs> so, so anyway, then half the damn time he wasn't even there. By 3 o'clock he was gone, you know. And uh, But I loved the man. I'd have followed him into hell. And um, so finally the first day of practice, we're in a coach's locker room. I will never forget it, Tom. And, and I'm intimidated as hell by the guy you know from, from his NCAA thing. He's a, he's a wonderful guy, but he's, he was just, I was 22 years old. He was so intimidating right. to me. And, and so, uh, so now, and I was almost afraid to say it, Tom, really. We're, we're, getting, we're putting our nice new authentic seat in the whole basketball right. shirts on, you know. <laughs> Looking official. There you go. And I said, so, and I said it as quietly as I could, Tommy. I said, uh, uh, so listen, uh, what, do you, what do you want me to do? And he acted like we had talked about this for six months, right? <laughs> he said, you just uh, just follow my lead. Just follow my lead. Okay. I said, okay. Okay. What lead? There ain't no lead. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So, and I stood right next to him like a little puppy. And so the practice started and, um, we, you know, typical practice. And, uh, and all of a sudden we run a, um, a like a UCLA cut uh, in the guard, hits the wing and then cuts off the post and goes to the block. So when the guy did it. He didn't, he didn't do it to Raph's liking. And so he said, hey, John, John, what the heck was that? What was that? He said, and he walked out to the guy, and he said, when you pass that ball, I want you to set your man up. I want you to 
jab, step, and I want you to set your man up. And then I want you to run off his shoulder, right off his shoulder, and bust your butt to the block. And when you get to the block, turn and look for the ball. That's how we do this. You got me? And he said, yes, sir. And honest to God, Tommy, he was about, I don't know, by that point, I didn't follow him right into the yeah. huddle, but he was about, I don't know, 10, 15 feet away from me. And he just turned, he just turned, and he said, it's all bullshit, Tommy. If they make it, you're a hero. If they miss it, you get fired. That's all you need to know. <laughs> I said the greatest advice I ever got in basketball. I got it in 30 seconds. Yep. That sounds right. Uh so you kind of we keep moving, you end up at Yale, and it seems like that was a nice little run for you, and you started to see some success there. Yes, but it was, uh, it was a difficult situation. My athletic director was a guy named Frank Ryan. Now, if you're an older sports fan like I am, you know he was the last Cleveland quarterback to win a, a championship with Jimmy Brown and those guys. Uh, Gary Collins was on his team, and they, they won a an NFL championship, 63, 4, 5, somewhere in there. And um, he ended up becoming the AD at Yale. And he was, a, he was a, really an academician. He was a mathematician. And, um, um, and so we, we butted heads a little bit. And, um, and I, I take a lot of responsibility for it. You know, I was young. I was 32. I was a real compromise choice. I knew that. Uh, and uh, and that's, that didn't bother me a bit, I yeah. promise you. And... Um, and so I remember when I got the job, I remember when I got it, and uh, there was a press conference, and it was certainly the first one I'd ever been to or had. Or, and, uh, and there were quite a few people there. I was, I was surprised. And, um, so, and my dad was there. And, and I, I probably shouldn't tell this story either. But I was in Virginia, and I went home. I went home uh, to go to the press conference to take my dad. So, of course, I get home on Wednesday night, the press conference Thursday morning. We, all my boys are there, you know, from Peaberg. Oh, we got to go out. We got to go out. You know, this is the greatest day in your life. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> all right, all right. I'll tell you what, Tommy, I was so sick <laughs> the next day when I was riding up. Thank God my dad was there because he drove, right? So, <laughs> so we go to New Haven. I feel like I'm going to f- fall out of the damn car. I'm so sick, so hungover. And, um, and so I get there, and that, that should tell you something right away. That should, yeah. <laughs> that should be an indicator right away, right away. So anyway, so there's a guy uh, from the New Haven Register. I will never forget him. And he said, do you know that this job took 90 days to fill? And I said, uh, well, I, I knew it was a long time. I didn't know it was 90 days. And um, he said, does it bother you that you – we're not the first choice. He could have said the first three choices, I guess. Yeah. I said, no, no. Why, why would it bother me? Why would it bother me? I'm the coach. <laughs> That's all. And he said, uh, well, I don't, I, I'm not trying to be mean, but, you know, um, I just thought that it was kind of a surprising pick, you know. So I'm thinking, why don't this guy let me alone? You know, what's he doing? And so, so I said to him, what is your name? And, and by this time, I'm getting upset. And he said, told me his name. And I said, and you work for the New Haven Register? And he said, yes. And I said, were you good at your job? And he said, I think so. I said, well, I never heard of you. <laughs> like, you're right. <laughs> right? And, he, and so, and, I, and the only reason I did it is because my dad was there. You know, if he wasn't there, honest to God, I would not have. Right. saying, hey, that's my dad. Don't talk about what a compromise I am, you know. So anyway, I was there for four, and, um, and it, got, it got strange. It got strange. I didn't handle 
parents particularly well. I did not. I, I even I, I didn't do a great job necessarily with the kids in all instances. You know, I, I learned some things. It was yeah. my first time I was a head coach. I was learning on the fly, and uh, I, I certainly thought I was ready. I wasn't. I wasn't saying you guys made a mistake, um, and and I I was kind of ready, but I was just a little nuts. You know, just my personality. You know, uh, I tend to be a little loud. I tend to be uh, you know go go go, and um, and and honest to God, Tom, when I get on a plane to go recruit or something. And I finally figured this all out. Uh, somebody would say to me, oh, hi, hi, I'm a, a neurosurgeon. Oh, what do you do? I'm the basketball coach at Yale. What? <laughs> like, it was a big deal. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, and so I always thought that. I always thought that. And I love saying it. Honest to God, I did love saying it. Uh, but I also knew by the time it was over that, you didn't handle yourself as well as you could have. You know, you could. Now, I mean, you think about this. In the last 50 years, Yale's had three basketball coaches. I was there for four. <laughs> so that tells you something, right? And the other's got a little more longevity. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and they were good guys. Both of them were good guys. Uh, the, certainly the guys there now is a great guy. or oh, dear friend. Matter of fact, I, I didn't hire him one time, amazingly, uh, when I had the chance to. But anyway... Um, he just, it, 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 we were just butting heads, you know, and, and, uh, and I was, I was kind of implying to him that you need to have my back a little more here, you know, and, and he was trying to tell me, uh, you're the coach at Yale, and that's a different standard, it, you know, it's a different standard, mm-hmm. and, and so, and back then it, it would upset me a little bit, but I look back on it, he was, he was absolutely right, no doubt about it, I needed to, it was a different standard, so anyway, my dearest friend, Mike Gilligan, calls me. He was the hockey coach here at the time. It was 86. And he said, um, listen, they're making a change up here. I think you should come up and talk to them. I said, no. No, about what? What am I, I going to talk to him about? The rusty scuffer? Yeah. <laughs> he, said, he said, no, seriously. He said, uh, you know, got scholarships. They've been way down. What better time to come? It's a great place to live. I said, Mike, Mike, Vermont is awful. Come on, man. You want me? I'm struggling where I am, you know, but at least I'm one of the eight, you know. Yeah. I said, I just don't know, man. I don't know. I can't. Uh, I don't know. Uh, he said, listen, just come up. We'll hang out for a couple of days, you know. Okay, fine. So I did. I came up. Denny Lambert was the athletic director, and, um, and he offered me the job. Like, I was up. I came up Friday night, and he offered me the job on no, no, Thursday, and he offered me the job on Friday. And I didn't want it. I absolutely didn't want it. And, and he said, but I, I got to know right away. I got to know right away. I said, well, I need to go back to Yale. For, I, can't, you know, I can't say yeah. yes now and, um, without really having any intention of saying yes, you know, but I didn't want to get into all that, you know. I didn't want, you know, so. Right, just kind of trying to find a nice way to you know, leverage, you know. You know yeah. yeah, yeah. So now I drive down, Tommy. I'll never, I, don't, I can't remember the date. I should. April something. It was the first time Clements struck out 20. It was a Friday night, and I was driving back to New Haven. I'll never forget it. And I thought, well, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get to the bottom of this right away. So I go, I go to my AD's house. Lived right off the campus. You know, big, Tudor, beautiful, academic home, you know. And uh, so I knock on the door. But it's about 9.30. Now I knocked on his door at 9.30. Talk about a cold call, right? But anyway, he opened the door, and he didn't even say my name. That made me nervous. He said, yes. And I said, uh, Frank, we got, we got to talk. Now, he doesn't even say, come in. 
I said, we got to talk. <laughs> you don't say come in. Yeah. He said, what about? I said, well, I've been offered the Vermont job. He said, I think you should take it. <laughs> so I said, I almost passed out. I said, well, TB, you got a new job. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know it yet in Vermont, but you got a new job. And, uh, and you know what I always say, Tom, and, and, and you got little ones, so you know how this is going to play out. You want to make God smile, tell him your plans. Right? So I get this job. I love Gilligan. I, I, I would have lived with him forever. You know, I did yeah. live with him for a while. And, uh, and he was so good to me. I mean, and everybody was good to me. No, really, everybody was. But, but I, I remember we would go places and, and Gilly would say, you know, we'd stand up because to speak, you know, following each other. And he'd say, honest to God, all the time, he'd say, you know what, we got, we got to help Brandon out here. He said, we got, we got what we need. And which was nonsense. You know, nobody had what they needed at Vermont. There's yeah. no money, you know. And he said, we got what we need, but we really got to help Brennan. And I never, ever forgot that. My whole life I thought, how about this guy just, you know, doing that for me, trying to help me. And in the first couple of years, Tommy, I, like, I, I, like I tell people all the time, and this is the gospel truth, when I see, whenever I walk on or see a picture of Tom Brennan Court, right above it I see 22 and 88 because that was my record <laughs> for a while. You know what I mean? And I was so naive, so naive, that I'm thinking, oh, yeah, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. You're, you're, you're awful. You suck. You can't do this. <laughs> and then I thought, well, you know, just keep grinding, man. Keep grinding. And, and I, I often thought, you know, I just thought, well, if you make this, if you just make it a little bit better, you know, just make it a little bit better, then you can leave. You know, then you somebody will hire you. You know, me and people in the business, you yeah. know, somebody. Will, well, then once I got here, I had a, a dear friend of mine. I don't want to mention his name, but he was going to go to Marquette. And he said to me, um, I'm going to save your life. I said, how? He said, I'm going to go to Marquette. I want you to go with me. I said, man, uh, Marquette, big time, you know. Yeah. And so, um, so I said, well, I, I'm very flattered. You know, I really am flattered. But I kind of like being in a corner office. You know, I do. I, I like... I like being a boss. I'm not very good at it, but I like it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and he said, TB, there's no future. There's no future there. And I said, ah, you, you know, you might be right. You might well be right, thinking he might be right, you know. And uh, I said, but this is where I am now. I love it here. I, I really feel a part of it. I, I mean, you know, and I mean, honest to goodness, in, in the first three years, like I said, first, like, yeah, like I said, 22 and 88 or the but I never, honest to God, Tommy, I never thought for a minute that I was going to get fired or that, you know, they knew. Like Denny would say to me, listen, we, this is who we are. You know it, you know. Yeah. Uh, you, you have to do more with less at Vermont. And I, I, I dug that. I could certainly, I, that's all right. I've done that my whole life. That's what you want to do. But then I got to the point where, man, well, imagine, just imagine if we could get it going. Imagine what it would be like here if we could win. And, that, and then, then I became driven by that, you know. And, and I do thank God and, uh, and all the administrators at UVM uh, for believing in me. And, and yeah. you know, they could have easily said that. You know, I, I thought this was going to happen like in the 90s, you know. Somebody's going to say, you know what, TB? You're a hell of a guy. You really are. You're a hell of a guy. And we love having you here. But you just don't win enough. You know, we got we to gotta win, you know. And so that was always kind of in the back of my mind, you know. And, 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 but then I would say, all right, listen, I appreciate your love for me. Now give me some help. 
Give me some help. Let's raise a recruiting budget. Let's get a few more scholarships. Let's mm-hmm. let's spruce up the gym. Let's do things that say we want to have a winning basketball program. You know, now that never happened. But I'm not blaming anybody, and I understand it never happened because we don't have money. You know, mm-hmm. so I understood that. You know, then we kept getting a little bit better, a little bit better, and I thought, you know what, TB, it's not impossible. Your quest here is not impossible. You know, it ain't gonna happen in a minute, but it's not impossible. And and then all of a sudden. We, when we got Tony O, we got yep. better. You know, we just got better. We were more competitive. But the league, Tommy, was so good, uh, even with Drexel and Delaware and Hofstra and Towson. Yeah. You know what I mean? Was it was it hard. NAC at that point, right? North Atlantic Conference. Yes, right, right. And Northeastern was real good. BU was real good. Uh, Siena was good. And uh, I remember my friend at Siena, Mike Dean, he ended, up go- he ended up going to Marquette, as a matter of fact. Not the guy I was talking about at first. And he was a he, he was a hard driving guy, you know. And I I love him to this day. He's down in Florida or South Carolina, retired. And uh, and I was struggling. And one time he gave me he gave me money to hold for for camp money or something. He wanted me to hold it for him, you know. And it was a lot of money. And, and I said, well, what do you want me to do? He said, put it in a drawer. Put it. I said, boy, you know, you make too much money if you're telling me to put this money in right. a drawer. <laughs> so anyway, we were boys. I used to go speak at his camp. Uh, he would pay me well, then we'd go to Saratoga to the track. And you talk about, I'd have my white silk suit on, man, I would be Looking ready. <laughs> I would be ready, and I'd never want a dime at that damn racetrack. I spent a lot of money and uh, and saw a lot of women dressed in the nines, but for me personally, it wasn't a great trip, except that I spent the day with him. And he was always so good to me. And, uh, and then near the end, uh, you know, when he was getting ready to go, uh, he was having great success, and they were in the league with us. And... Um, and he said to me, he said, I want you to know something. If anything happens to you there, I will hire you the next day. I promise you. I said, Mike, I love you to death, but I'd rather drive a truck than work for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, he, he, then he went and did what he had to do. And, I, and to his credit, God love him. The first, what's it, the first, yeah, the first, home, the first home championship against Maine, he came back for it which I thought was really neat, you know. And uh, so anyway, so then we, you know, then they stayed with me. And you know what happened? You know where I really got lucky too, Tom, was like 92 or 93. We were, I thought we were getting there, you know. I didn't think we were championship caliber yet, but I knew we were better. And I knew we we had recruited better and all those things. So that's when Cormley Coach started. You yep. got this radio show. I was going to ask you about that. It was crazy, man. It was absolutely crazy. And we had... You know, I, I don't want to be a jerk. Let's just say we had a tremendous impact on the community. Yeah. We really did. We really did. And we had a tremendous impact on our program. I mean, it was amazing how people, or, or I'd say, I would say, I'd get people say to me at the mall or, you know, in Walmart, uh, that is, uh, you're the coach. And I'd say, yeah, I am. And they didn't know I was the coach. Right, they, they knew were, the radio yes, coach. Yes, I'm thinking, how can that be? Yep. So, so anyway, that that really was that was good, and I we did so much good uh, as collectively uh, for so many people, and we had such a platform. You know, I remember this one. This was a, one of my favorites of all time. We had a young man who got in a terrible accident. He was 18 years old, and. Um, I knew his mom and dad joined down the street we used to go to together, you know. And, I mean, we weren't great friends. I'm not saying that. But you walk in, hey, uh, Mary, how you doing, that type of thing. So, anyway, so this guy has a terrible plight. And um, and so, now he's a kid. He's 18 years old. And um, and now he can't walk. And, and so they needed um, 
there, there's some kind of machine that you put on a ceiling and it, it lifts you out. It, it, it gets you and it, it gets you out of bed. Basically, is what yeah. it does, you know. And um, and so the mother said to me, "We got to try to get him one of those things." And I said, um, "Well, why don't you come on the show? Come on the show. I love you. You're great. You, you're, you're so sad about this, and you know, Dad's a great guy. Maybe we can help you. I don't know. Maybe we can help you. But just come on the show. We'll talk about it. We're not going to get morbid. We don't want to, you know. But yeah. honest to God, Tom." At 6.05, no, I'm sorry, no, it wasn't even. At 7.05, they came on the show, and they were on for 15 minutes. And at that point, when they left, we said, we need to raise $5,000 for these people so they can have this thing. And obviously, it's got to be sooner rather than later. Every day, this guy yeah. don't have this, you know. We raised 5000 that day by 9 o'clock. We had pledges for $5,000. I, I was that's so, amazing. Oh my God, I almost cried. I was just like so moved by that, you know. And and where I was fortunate too, Tom is Corm and Lana. They were both so unbelievable. I mean, I just fell into it in terms of you know they just took such good care of me. And I remember <laughs> I, I used to say, especially in the beginning, I'd say that when we got good, when we got good in the threes, fours, and fives, and I'd say to Corm, "You remember when we'd lose three times a week?" And he'd say, "Yep." And then you'd lose three times the next week. <laughs> I said, well, you didn't have to say that, okay? I, that's taken a little too far. <laughs> but anyway, it was, you know, we could poke fun at ourselves. We always did that. But we, we poked fun at the community. And we were just, we, we had it going. We really had it going. And you know what really shocked me, shocked me, was when Stern, there were two guys, Stern, Howard Stern, of course, yeah. everybody knows, and a guy named Don Imus, who everybody yeah. pretty much knows. And they were New York Big, big, big shots. As a matter of fact, when I was at Yale, uh, I was on the I'm a Show at one time, you know, and, and uh, it was the biggest thrill of my life. It was the biggest thrill I'd ever had. I must have had 30 people call me after I was on his show, you know. So anyway, now I got to compete against the guy, you know. And Howard Stern used to get after me a little bit. I don't know why he would just get after me. And, and I think to myself, like, him worrying about me is like me worrying about Southern Vermont, yeah. you know. Well, well I, don't, I don't understand it, you know. Uh, Turns out, uh, I, got a, I got a great little, great little caveat for you. Um, uh, I probably shouldn't say it because I'm really giving something away. Uh, I had a, a player here named Dave Ostrowski. Wonderful, wonderful kid, real good player, about 6'8", from Pittsburgh. Well, it turns out his sister married Howard Stern. And Oz says to me, Tom, I'm not going to get into it. He said, he's the greatest guy you could ever meet, hands down. He said he takes care of her so great. He takes care of our family. He, you just couldn't meet a better guy. You could, yeah. Uh, all right, fine. So now I don't even dislike Howard Stern anymore. But but the fact is, we competed with them. You know, I don't know exactly. You know, Arbitron twenty three right. and all that. I don't know about that. But when it happened, I thought, well, this this could be problematic. This you know, who knows? And it didn't affect us at all. Not at all. But then what happened was, I got into this thing where I would pick people uh, state for state champions. And I was always wrong. I was always wrong. And um, and then it got to me where people were saying, "Listen, whatever you do, don't don't pick us to win the state championship." Okay. <laughs> and I'd, I'd go to high school games. I'd go. So I was going to an Essex game to watch a kid, a friend of mine, son pitch. And he said, and a guy was like on the third baseline, and he said to me, "Hey, coach, do me a favor. Don't mention Essex having a shot to win the title this year." I said. Okay, I won't. You think Howard Stern will? <laughs> <laughs> but we just got so connected with the community, and uh, 
And it was great. Then we used to rent limos. I mean, it was crazy. We'd rent limos on Friday night and go to places that have signs up, welcome Corman the coach. Yeah. <laughs> Just, it was nuts. And there was a great joint in Barry we used to go to all the time. A little corner bar, not, not right in the town, but right next to it. I forget uh, it. Gusto's, Gusto's, that's what it was. And we did shows from down there once in a while, you know. And uh, so we were, we were just really connected in the state. It was, it was really neat, and, uh, and, uh, and that was a, a great run. And you also, because everyone kind of sees Coppenrath and Sorrentino, that's the evolution. That's the, kind of the final step. But before that, arguably your best team, you had our former guest, Matt Johnson, Kevin Roberson, that team in the NAC was fighting. Yeah, they were good. Man, they were they were way better than I thought, you know. And uh, I remember Matt, Matt Johnson's, uh, I said, Matt Johnson's mother's a crackpot. And she said, I think the guy who don't put him in the game is a crackpot. <laughs> but I loved her. We had a great relationship. But he, and, and, and it's funny because... He and Kenny White and Roberson, they were, Raheem Hollandell was on that yep. team. Uh, they, were, they were getting it better. They were, that was the first winning team we had in my fifth year. And, and I knew then, I knew then, man, that we could get some players here. We can get them. You know, Vermont's beautiful. You know, we got Church Street. We got a lot, of, a lot to offer here. And, um, and then we just kept getting incrementally better. And then Osieri came. He was a great get uh, and a great player. Um, so, uh, you know, I felt that, you know, it could happen. I, I, I felt it could happen. But then we got that magic group, Sorrentine, Coppenrath, Hain, uh, and then the next year we got uh, uh, Martin Klemesh, and it was So they were just and, – and funny, funny, Tom, when, when we got Coppenrath, we had a kid named Matt Sheftick, who yep. was a great player for us. And, and he was the first – Real big time recruit. A lot of people wanted him, you know. And I, I was. I remember. I love his mother so much. <laughs> She's saying, "Tell me about the business school." I, you go. You go to class. You do your homework. Tell me about the business school. I ain't gonna tell you. I don't know about the business school. <laughs> but I said, "This is the place for him to go to school." That's all I'm gonna tell you, you know. And uh, and you know, we had all. Of course, I'm kidding about. We had all kind of pamphlets and all. Yeah. We're night. Who cares? You know, you go. You work hard. You're gonna be successful. Pretty simple, right? So, and I kept thinking, dear God, he's got to come. He's got to come. He can't not come. And uh, then remind me to tell you this blink recruiting story. So then he finally says he's coming. And it was like a big deal, a big deal. So the next year, we get Coppenrath. But we tell Coppenrath that we only want to take him if he'll redshirt because I don't think he's ready, and we already had Sheftick. And, you know, so that was like, like I, I didn't want two big guys. I don't know what the hell I was thinking about that. But anyway, so, so anyway, so Coppenrath comes. You know, he comes. And uh, so, okay, so now he's redshirting. So now we're practicing. It's whatever year, 2001, 2000, and he's redshirting, and he is going off. And I'm thinking to myself, good God, he's really good. I mean, he's, he's so much better than he was in June. It ain't even funny, yeah. you know? And, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, man, this is amazing. So I say, I, and, now we, and that year, we lost 10 games in a row. It's amazing. We lost 10 in a row. So now I say to my boys, the staff, now it's like January, you know, I said, hey, Forget this. We're playing them. And, like, collectively, it was like they were saying amen. <laughs> the whole staff said, no, 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 no. And I said, come on, man, we're getting killed. We got to – listen, this will be worth it. We, we can't play them. We can't play them. Absolutely cannot play them. We've already played 
15 games or 12 games, you know, yeah. just no, we're not, you know, don't, please don't do this. You don't want to do this. So, okay, all right, fine. So we didn't play him. His first game, the next year, he went 0 for 10, 0 for 10. And he was great. I knew he was great. I said, ah, how about this? <laughs> and when, but it was funny, Tommy, because when, when he was redshirting, in the beginning, I wasn't saying to anybody, guess what? I got a secret. I got a guy that you will not believe when you watch him play. You will not believe he's as good as he is. You will not believe he's from nowhere, Vermont. You will not believe any of it. Yeah. Kid, and, he, and there he is. He's just waiting for me. God dropped him in my lap, right? And, uh, and sure enough, man, the next year he came out swinging, and we were, you know, we were good. And Sorrentine uh, was redshirted the first year. He broke his wrist or something. I remember that. And... Uh, but I thought to myself, how about this TV? <laughs> we got one. We finally got one of them blue chip guys people were talking about. And he was, and of course, and he was so perfectly the face of the program. You know, Bar- Wes Barnett, and, you know, did he have shoes? And his mother got mad at me when, yeah. <laughs> when I called him Little Abner. But, uh, but he was a great kid. He was just, and, and, a, and, and so quiet and just, so good, yeah. You know, it was it was a, it was a blessing. It was a joy to be able to coach him. I remember my dad coached AAU. He had a bunch of the Hazen guys, and he had this one team, and he was picking everybody, trying to make this one massive Vermont team. And Shaftet came a few times. Taylor came once or twice. And I just remember I was whatever twelve maybe at the time, and looking and thinking. Matt Sheftick is a different species. of. That was correct. You were correct in that assumption. <laughs> and then he had all kinds of problems. His sister passed away, yeah. sadly. It was awful. And, um, and you know what's funny about Matt? This is a great story. He's like a lieutenant colonel now. He's like as high as you can be in the Army, right? And when, when he came to me, um, he w- was in ROTC. And um, so I knew, I knew that would take up time, you know? So I, so I said to him, and he was only a freshman, you know, and I, I said to him, are you, are you really sure about this ROTC? Uh, because it's, it's, it's going to be demanding, and, and uh, you know, I, I just want you to know that, you know? And he said, no, no, actually, I'm not sure about it. So I said, I said, okay, all right, don't worry about it. So I called a guy up ahead of the ROTC, whatever his name is. I said, listen, uh, we need to have this conversation, you know? And uh, I said, I don't, I don't think Matt Sheftick is into it. I said, I'm not... Uh, we all got to handle this the right way. Both of us got to handle it the right way. I said, um, I just don't think he really is into it. And he said, um, ah, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty certain that he is. So he said, he wants to be a soldier. I said, he does. Never heard it. No, I didn't. Yeah. So he walked, uh, Sheftick walked in the door. And I, I still think I'm kind of messing around with him, you know. And I said, so, you're a patriot, huh? And he said, well, I, I like to think so. You know, he didn't know where I was going. And, and then I said, and you, you want to be a soldier? And then he was very uncomfortable. And he said, actually, I, I think I do. I said, well, why the hell didn't you tell me that? Jesus, now I got to call this guy back and with egg on my face, you know? I mean, come on. He said, coach, I didn't, I, look, at you, you're upset. I didn't want you. I said, I'm not upset. You want to be a patriot? God bless you. There needs to be more people like you. Yeah. I'm not upset. I just needed to know, you know? And sure enough, uh, you know, I called the guy back. I said, Colonel, I'm really, really sorry. I was dead wrong. And, you know, and he, he was great about it. The whole thing was great. And so, and now he's going on to be a lieutenant colonel or whatever. Yeah, you know, tremendous. And, and then... 
uh, he got hurt, uh, or, or he had to take a year off for personal reasons, and then he came back, and he was Coppenrath's right-hand man. Nobody, nobody bothered Coppenrath. Uh, I remember we were playing Binghamton, and they had a big guy named Nick Billings. He was goofy, and, but he was about seven feet, seven one, and he was pretty good. And, and he came in here, and this was when the show was going on. So their, their um, assistants are down on the floor uh, working out at the Howard Johnson or whatever, and the radio is on, and I'm on. We're on. And uh, so Corman's saying, whenever Nick Billings gets a ball, we are going to boo the hell out of him. You understand that? Everybody's going to boo him. Because he said, I should have been the rookie of the year, not Coppenrath. You know, that should have been me. So anybody think in that building thinks he should have been rookie of the year over Coppenrath, don't boo. Don't holler at him. But anybody else, you let them know, you know, because I was childish. I was pissed. <laughs> so, so anyway, we get to the game. We are tapping them out. And, uh, and there's a foul line situation. Billings is on the inside. Taylor shooting the ball. And Sheftick is next to Billings. Billings says, we really got something going here, don't we? And uh, Sheftick says to him, shut the F up or I'll knock you out. <laughs> I said, my boy, thank you. Thank you for that. So anyway, uh, he was great. He was so great. As a matter of fact, I owe him a phone call. I'm embarrassed. I got to get, I got. I haven't talked to him in a while, but he was a big part. You know, we had so many pieces that, that helped, mm-hmm. you know, make it go. I'll tell you my one other recruiting story. Bernie Saplicki, who was the AD of Colchester. Yep. Uh, my first recruiting. Love Bernie. What's he that? hired me to be the JV girls coach when oh. he was still there. Oh, okay. Wonderful, right? Wonderful guy. So anyway. 1977, I come to Vermont for the first time. I'm at William & Mary. I'm recruiting Keith Saplicki, 984 Pine Street. Yep. I still go by it every day on my way to Clingers and get bread, every day. Uh, so uh, and the old man was great. The mother was an angel. I mean, you couldn't find a better person. And so, so I'm recruiting Keith. Now, I don't know lick about Vermont, nothing about the Saplickis, that, the, you know, it was like a love-hate relationship and all that kind of stuff, you know. And... Uh, and, and so, so I'm just doing my job. I'm recruiting, and I'm working with the family and trying to get to know people and what, whatnot. So anyway, we get Keith. We get Keith. And I, I think if, if the situation here at Vermont wasn't in kind of disarray, yeah. we'd have never gotten him. You know, he never would have left. But, or if I'd have been in Vermont, I'm convinced we'd have gotten him. Now, easy to say. But he came to William Mary, scored 2,000 points, was tremendous, just a great guy, you know, a dream to coach, you know, all, all those things. Um, and, but we played slow. You know, we played slow. And uh, that was back when there was no clock. You know, we weren't big. You know, we were unathletic and all that. So, so anyway, um, I remember a, a couple years later, um, we were somewhere, we were out somewhere, uh, and somebody said, did you, did you coach Keith? And I said, yes, I did for one year. And then I got the Vermont job, two years maybe. And, and uh, uh, he said, he had, a, he had a great career at William & Mary, didn't he? And uh, I said, he sure did. And, and the old man said, yeah, at a school that held the ball. I said, yeah, well, when we stopped holding it, he shot it. Just remember yeah. that. <laughs> but anyway, the dad was good. So now we're, now we're up years. I'm here. Bernie's being recruited, right? So this is no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, no-brainer. We got no problem with this. So he calls me and says, uh, listen, I'd like you and Lynn to come over tonight. I said, oh, great, great. I'm thinking like, like he's going home. We're going right. to complete the circle, right? <laughs> They're doing the work for you. Yeah, that's it. So I buy a bottle of champagne, 
and me and Lynn go over there. And generally, you know, your wife doesn't go on recruiting visits or announcements or whatever it might be. But we're, we're, we're like family to them. They're like family to us. You know, we've yep. been around forever. And so, uh, so he gets in there. We get in there and kitchen table, which I've sat at 50 times if I've sat at once. And, uh, and, and Bernie's coming in. And he's a little nervous. You know, I'm thinking, no, nah, yeah, it's a big night. You know, he said, I'm going to Fairfield. Honest to God, Tom, I thought I didn't hear him. I thought I did not hear him. I thought it was like a joke. It was a joke. Yeah. Maybe it was a joke, you know? <laughs> Starting the evening with a nice rib. Yeah. So I said, uh, well, you know, I was, I was just, I was flummoxed. I didn't know what to say. I, I, just, I wasn't going to try to talk him out of it, you know? I, I never would do that. And obviously, he knew what we had. He knew who we were, you know? And he said to me, I just want to go away. I just want to see what life is like away. Mm-hmm. Which, which made some sense to me. Yeah. Didn't help. Didn't, uh, didn't soothe soften me any. Yeah, right. Didn't soften the blow. But anyway, uh, I said, okay, okay, well, that's what you want to do. Then good luck to you. And we, Lynn and I went out in the, in the driveway, opened the champagne, and drank it right in his driveway. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, he saw the light a year later. Uh, and came back, and, 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 we, and he had a great career with us. He really had a great career, but yeah. funny then, stories, funny stories. I think when I was a kid, I did the UVM basketball camps when they were overnight for a week, staying uh-huh. in the dorms, and I was on this team. God, this arrogant kid, and just bugged me. His name was Kyle. <laughs> I'm like, whatever. God, that kid annoys me, you know what his last name is? I'm like, no, it's Saplicky. Didn't mean anything to me being, you know, a Woodbury Hardwick kid. <laughs> Whatever it was, 10 years later, seeing him on the TV with you guys. Well, how about a great Saplicky story? Uh, Kyle Saplicky. I was on the bubble, you know. I mean, I felt, I felt an obligation, sort of, uh, you know, because of the family, because he was a local kid, because he was a real good player locally. Uh, you know, my dream would have been, if I could have, to have five, five Vermont guys playing for me. Yeah. Actually, I would have preferred five lefties. That was really my dream, but I don't, think Interesting. I, was going, I don't think I was going to get that. So now they go play at MMU. That's what it is? Mount, yeah, Mount Mansfield. Mansfield. Mount Mansfield. And against Polovich, who was also a good player. Todd Polovich, his name was. And the place was full, absolutely full. It was so packed, they, had to put, they put us, me and my assistant, on the floor. We, we, we were sitting on the floor uh, like, like they don't get stands on one side. So we're sitting on the other side where the scores table is, the coaches, the benches were. And so we're looking right over at, at all that. And every single time Saplicky got the ball, they went, daddy's boy, daddy's boy. I, oh, my. And it, it just upset me. It really upset me. I thought it was really not very classy, you know, and um, – uh, so, but it happened the entire game, the entire game. And at the end of that game, I said, I said to, um, my assistant, we're taking him. We're taking him. He is so tough. He is so mentally tough. He never, and they got beat on like a 60 footer at the buzzer. Mm-hmm. It was a one point game. A guy threw it up for, and, and he never cracked. He never, ever cracked. I will never forget that. And I remember driving home and saying to my wife, well, we got him. We're going to get him because he is tough. He is really, 
you know, he will make him. If he's not good enough to play here now, he will make himself good enough to play here, you know. And that's certainly what he did. Three-year captain, NCAA, you know, great, great. And then to go on to be the outstanding assistant in the league, you know. Uh, Now he's at Pitt, and they're doing much better. So, yeah, but it's funny. Um, I got a million of them. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about recruiting at Vermont. I heard someone say a quote, and it was something like, it's not about who you can recruit, it's who you can get. Outside of, you know, it doesn't do anything for you other than being able to tell somebody that, yeah, I went and saw Carmelo Anthony. Because you know you're not going to get him. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Tommy has it down to us, Michigan State, and and Virginia. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I tried to, uh, I tried to go to our level. You know, Mm -hmm. I tried to recruit guys that uh, I thought, and and I, you know what, I, I didn't know how good a judge of talent I was. I, I, I knew that I knew I had a good feel, and I, I knew that I could get guys to play. I, I really always thought that. But I remember one time sitting at a game with Phil Martelli, who used to coach at St. Joe. He's now at Michigan as an assistant. And he called up a friend of ours. He says, I'm sitting here with Brennan, and one of us is in the wrong gym. <laughs> so, but we were, you know, I, I, I like guys. I, 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 when I like guys, I would recruit them a lot harder. You know, to mm-hmm. me, it was important that we have a relationship that, you know, who knows what's going to happen. You might be an All-American. You might not play. I don't know. I might be fired. We don't know any of that, right. you know. So we got to be honest. we got to be close. we got to care for each other. To me, that, that really is what, what it's all about. And, and, and I just rely. I love talking about love saying it. Lynn and I have been to 33 former player weddings. I mean, that's as proud as anything I've ever done. Without a doubt. And it know? gives you a chance to dress up. Which it you love did, to do. right? Drink high-end whiskey, good food. There you go. Dance, dance with my baby. Oh, I loved it. I love and you know what happens at weddings, Tommy, is um, you know, you're you're sitting with either guys you know or their family, whatever, and then the stories start. Then they start telling the stories. I'm saying, no way. And and Lynn would say, Oh, were you on sabbatical that year? <laughs> Oh my God! The story just uh, took my breath away. But but now you know it's to, now to stay in touch with as many as I can. I really feel that's my job. I told you before we started. I I feel like I'm the the ambassador. That's that's is a mm-hmm. good word for me. I'm I'm Vermont's ambassador to basketball. That's what I believe. And uh, and so I still try to stay in touch. I feel like that's my responsibility, not theirs. That's mine. Uh, and um, and I do, and I do, and I love it, and I love. You know, talk. Now they're my friends. You know, they're my friends. T.J. Sorrentine from the parking lot. Now he's yep. my boy. You know, he just, it just is, it just great, great stuff, great stuff. Recruiting was yep. hard, but it wasn't that hard. You know, I mean, um, and, and I always thought we got guys that could make us better. I think Osieri and Sheftik were two guys that we got that were better than us. You know, mm-hmm. they were better than us. But by the time Osieri got here. Well, I mean, they weren't really better than us. They were what we were supposed to be. Right. You know what I mean? And so, um, but yeah, it, it was it was fun. And I, I always loved it. I always, you know, I just I just thought, man, you're the coach of Vermont, man. And I, I would say to people, you know, there's 320 of these back then, or 350. I remember the big laugh was when I first got here, some economics professor was doing some kind of damn theory, and we were last. There are 326 basketball teams, and the one that represents you guys is last. Yeah. I was thinking, what do you got to do that for? Huh? So anyway, made a good story. But uh, again, I just didn't. I didn't worry about that stuff. You know, I just, I just kept, kept going forward. And then, uh, you know, then when we got good, it was so fun because um, there were so many people who 
stayed with me from 86 to 2005. So mm-hmm. many, you know, and, and, and we're going to get, I'm waving it. That's for you. That one's for you. <laughs> and I remember it would get to the point where we'd have our pregame. There was this fabulous restaurant, fabulous, called the Rusty Scuffer. It was on the bottom of Church Street. Jack and Eileen Fontaine were the owners, and they were big. We got to be real close, and they were big-time fans. So we started having our pregame meals there because he gave us a, an unbelievable deal on it, you know. And then we'd go there after the games, or we'd go to Halverson's up to Uptown after the game, and uh, just depending on day or night or whatever. And um, and so it just got to be where, like, people would generally, literally, honest to God, like if we were ahead and there was, you know, it was we were going to win, um, people would be leaving. They'd be leaving. And, and that would always drive me nuts. Like, you know, there's three minutes to go. Well, you know, you, you came here for 37, why don't you stay for 40, you know? And so, but anyway, inevitably, two or three people going by me would say, where are we going? Where are we going? <laughs> like, like, all right, all right, Fontaine's, all right, good, all right, good. I'm, you know, it was a, it was a, a family affair, mm-hmm. the whole thing. And because, like I said, so many of them were there when we were climbing uh, and good people, and you know, friends, and that kind of stuff, and, and so it, when it finally popped, I mean, it, it just it, it couldn't have been better. I mean, you could, and and talk about getting it and understanding it and being appreciative of it. Nobody better than me because yeah. I was twenty two and eighty eight. Can't right. make that up. <laughs> it's easier to appreciate the top when you've been at the bottom. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. I I, I think that's very very important and. Um, you know, and this run that we've been on, Tom, is so unbelievable. I mean, you think about it, and I say this very softly. I don't say it as a, as a jerk. For a hundred years, for a hundred years, we weren't any good. Mm-hmm. For twenty-two years, we've been real good, real good. Like you can't even. How does that happen? How does it even happen? And um, you know, we got that that magical group. And then it just kept, we've had like, I don't know, 14, could that be right? Now, let's say we've got 10 out of the last 15 MVPs, right? Yeah. I had three in a row. You know, John's had, you know, with Lamb and, 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 and our boy Davis and, you know, yeah. we've just been. Trimboli get it. Trimboli, yeah. We've been really good. You know, we've been really good. So, and that is neat. That is just so neat. And now, now that I get to go and sit in my seat, you know, on Tom Brennan court, it, it just, I, I mean, it, it, it warms my heart. As a matter of fact, the only thing that scares me is I think I'm, every time I walk in there, I think I'm going to have a heart attack because you know you ain't supposed to be alive and have something named after you. That's, that's the number one rule. Right. So that makes me a little nervous. And, and Becker's doing so well, they might take it back. I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of which, it looked like you could not have been more proud or excited when Coach Becker broke your wins record the other night. I, I could not have been. You are correct, sir. Great assumption. Uh, great perception. Uh, yeah, the guy's been so good to me. So good to me, Tom. And, he, you know, I mean, people say, well, he should be good to you. Why wouldn't he be good to you? But, you know, this is his time now. Right. It's not my time. And, and I, I, you know, I'm there. And, you know, um, and, and my brother said to me, he said, you know what? I'll tell you one thing about John Becker. He's got to be tired of you. <laughs> what am I doing? I ain't bothering the guy. I'm only helping him. He said, uh, but I thought more about it, you know, and I said that to him. I said, listen, I don't, I, I, I never want to get in your way. You know that. What you've done here, what I did and not forget it, forget it. And he said, um, no, don't, don't you feel that way for a minute. You know, we love having you. I love you in our program. I, whenever you're there, man, you know, I mean, just 
stuff that he didn't have to do, doesn't have to do. And uh, and then after that game, you know, he just, uh, it was, man, it made me cry. Obviously, it made me cry. He just came over. He said, I love you. I can't thank you enough. I said, you know, I had a game stolen from me. I, I think I got 265. <laughs> <laughs> but he's been so good to me. The, and, the kid, and you know what's nice now, Tommy, is that, uh, I really, really, really feel a part of it. I do I feel a part of it. But I never have to correct him. I never have to coach him. I just yeah. have to hug him and tell him I love him and tell him to keep going. You get and to be the fun uncle. That's it. Exactly. My, that's exactly what I'm looking for. You know, and, and every, after every game we've got this thing now, it's, it really has developed into something kind of neat. Um, it's probably been going on for maybe 10 years now, 10, 12 years. And when we win, every game that we win, I walk in the locker room. The coaches go in, they go to their room. Players go in, they sit on their, their stools. And I walk in, and then I say, you know, we beat them boys from Bryant. And then all the players say, like they stole something from our mama. <laughs> and then I go high-five everybody down the row. And, you know, it's just so neat. And I, I'll say to somebody, you were really good tonight. You were, re- you were a bad man tonight. You, you, you know, that, the way you dove on the floor, that, you know, just, just stuff that, I would hope uh, John feels good about, not intrusive or not mind your own business stuff, but just, just real positive stuff, you know, and, and I, I think he does. I think he thinks, you know, that, that he's got a little platform there where I can say these things and, and I don't have to say, what am I going to do with you? You're driving me nuts, you know. <laughs> I don't ever have to say that. I just say, you just keep working hard. You're getting close or you know we love you. You know you're important to this program, you know. And, you know, I got to think as a kid, that's really, you know, you'd love to hear that, right? You play, you'd love to hear that. So, mm-hmm. so that's how I do it. And um, so, but anyway, I, I could not have been treated better than I have been here. Uh, people, I, I mean, uh, I said, I tell the story all the time. When we won our first uh, championship, I went up to Church Street and just started walking up and down the street on that Monday. We didn't play till Saturday. We played wherever, Arizona or wherever first yeah. game was. I remember walking up down Church Street just looking for people and waiting for them to say, hey, you're going to the NCAA tournament, huh? Oh, me? <laughs> I just walk up and down grabbing people by the arm. It was, I was so happy. I just go back and forth. I did it for about 10, 15 minutes. Just walking back and forth, waiting for somebody to say something. <laughs> but it was so, and you know, you grew up here. You know what a, that's too strong a word. Miracle is too strong a word. But what we did really yeah. was big time, right? Bit of an anomaly. There you, yeah, you go. Fair enough. Fair enough. You knew it was announced your last year going in. Did you know kind of the ceiling that could be with that team? And was the fact that those guys were all getting done just make it the best choice for you as that's the time to step away? Correct. Well, that is correct. Um, I, I, knew we could, I knew we could win a game. I, I believe that. Uh, but, uh, but I was... Uh, I was ill-informed. We could have won two games. Yeah, we could have won three games. I Everyone know, you know? forgets how close that Michigan oh, State right. game was. Right, you know, and and uh, I remember TJ saying to me, um, I don't know. I think he was saying, you know, half facetiously, he said, "I don't know if you were ready for the Michigan State game." I said, yeah, "Oh, whether I was ready." <laughs> I said, you took the worst shot in the history of college basketball. It happened to go in, and we won. So now I wasn't ready for the Michigan State game? <laughs> but anyway, it was, and he was great that day. He was great. But I knew, I, I knew that year. I knew, and, and you know what I'm going to say? I kind of knew 
that ESPN would be there. Or at least I thought they did. Because I had s- such a good career on the radio, you know, yeah. and I knew I, I was comfortable and, and I could do it. But, um, and I just thought, yeah, there's a nice next step, you know, next step. You don't want, and I, I didn't want to go anywhere else. I'll tell you the greatest, right where you're sitting, that's where my wife is sitting. It was when Copperath and those guys were juniors. Uh, after their junior year, we had won the championship, lost to who? UConn. So I get a call from the athletic director at LaSalle. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. I did get a call from the athletic director at LaSalle, but that was not the one. Uh, my dear friend was a, a assistant to the AD at Georgia and played with me. He, yeah. same, he was a manager, but he was on the same time as me in school. And he said, and they had gotten hit in the scandal where the guy – Asked how many points for a basket and all yeah. that. You remember all that crazy stuff? And uh, Jim Herrick, I think, was the coach. And, and so he blew him up. So they were going to go on probation. They we're going to have a lot of problems. So the guy said to me, look, I'm not even sure. He said that you can get the job or that you'd want it. He said, I, I'd do whatever I could for you. And uh, he said, but you, you have to know that when you come in, you're going to get your ass kicked, and it's going to be for a little while, and uh, it's the SEC. And uh, he said, but you've already done that. You already did that in Vermont. Yeah. You know, you know, you can handle it anyway. I know you can handle yeah, it. You know how to get your ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, there you, <laughs> there you go. So uh, he said, just think about it. You know, just think about it. And my wife had a good job, you know, and still has a good job. But anyway, um, she was sitting right there, and I was sitting right over there. And I said, Lenny, Dave Mew, I called. And she said, he did. Now she knows Dave Mew. Of course, we're dear friends. We mm-hmm. vacation together, all that kind of stuff. I said, he did. And... Uh, so she said, what do you want? And I said, the Georgia job is open, and he thinks I should look into it. And she said, why? You know, I said, well, you know, it's in the SEC. You know, it's the big leagues. You know, I don't know if I'm ready for that or whatever, but my alma mater, my, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've accepted challenges before, you know. And so um, she said, um, well, what did you tell him? And so I said, I told him that we'd think about it. And I didn't even tell him we'd think about it. I told him I'd think about right. it. <laughs> so Smart man. Yeah. So she said, do me a favor. I said, yeah. She said, look out that window. Now, it'll be hard to match this up, but you're looking at it now. And, and she said, look out that window. And, you know, perfect blue sky Adirondacks on the other side. People yeah. could have been nicer, you know. And she said, um, let me ask you something. What do you want? Tell me what you want that you don't have. I said, nothing. Because I was getting uncomfortable in the conversation. <laughs> I said, nothing. And she said, um, I said, it's a million-dollar job. She said, okay, tell me where you want to go that you haven't been. And I said, no, nowhere, nowhere. There's nowhere I want to go I haven't been. She said, okay, call Dave and tell him we're going to stay here. <laughs> So anyway, that's that's my Georgia story, uh, but yep. And I'm and then the next year we beat Syracuse. You know, so you want to make God smile, tell him your plans. There we go. <laughs> that team, I think, the way the whole state kind of was around it, and you know the sellout streaks begins and all that stuff. How important was it? You kind of mentioned it earlier for kind of the face of that team to be a Vermont kid. Oh, oh, immeasurably important, immeasurably. And not only a Vermont kid, but the Vermont kid. <laughs> you know, the Vermont kid. He was so good and so 
right. And so, I mean, people love them. They just love them. How about this story? We went, we used to have our pregame meals at the Rusty Scuffer. So we're playing a game at 2 o'clock, and we're having our breakfast, pregame, whatever it is, at 10. And one of my big things, I think this is one, one reason guys like playing for me, pregame meals, you could have anything you wanted. We had no rules for pregame meals. You want milkshakes, you want ice, I don't care. Whatever, whatever's going to make you play good, you eat it, you know. Mm. So, so anyway, so we'd go. And it was, a, it was great. We loved it. it was, the, the people were so good to us. So now we're sitting in the window like a puppy, uh, like Oliver Twist. There, there's, a, there's a kid, a little kid with his dad, and they're looking in the window. Like they got their hands up on the window, and they're looking in, right? It's like 10, 15. The game don't start till 2 o'clock. Yeah. So I go walking outside, and the guy's from somewhere out, out your way, not close, not close. But, and he said, uh, I said, what's up, boys? And he said, uh, we don't mean to be intrusive. That's not the word he used, but we, we don't mean it. He said, but my son... He just loves Taylor Copperworth. He just wanted to see him eat. <laughs> I said, well, you couldn't. Well, he's going to see him eat. Matter of fact, they're going to share some toast. Come on in here right now. So we brought the kid in, and uh, the old man sat him down and sat the kid right in the middle, sat the old man over with us, you know. And, uh, and it was like as great a kid's day as you could have, you know. And I'm saying every day that I get to do that. Every moment I get to do that. How neat is it? How cool. And, and, uh, and then we had one where um, I was, this one really almost made me cry. We were, it was late during the streak. You talked about we sold out every game for two years, something yeah. like that. And, um, and so it was late, and a guy was walking up. And I, I would go up to my office and before the game and just kind of get myself gathered, you know. And I'm looking out the window, and a guy and his son are walking up. I didn't think anything of it because I was—I assumed they had to have tickets because if they didn't have tickets, they wouldn't come because there are no tickets, you know. So, uh, so anyway, the guy comes walking in. I'm, I'm not really paying that much attention, but I just thought it was kind of neat because it was a guy and his son. You know, I thought that was really neat. I always loved that. And then about I don't know five minutes later, they just came walking back, walking back the other way, and I felt so sad. I just felt terrible. So, I went. We're running right downstairs, went right out. I said, hey, you guys don't have tickets? And they said, no. I said, um, you know, you got to know that you can't get in the game without a ticket. You got to know that. And the old man said, yeah, yeah, we know. I said, unless you know the coach. <laughs> if you know the coach, maybe you got a shot. And sure enough, I gathered him right in. I took him in to my ticket guy. I said, you got to squeeze these guys in somewhere. I don't care where you put them, but we got to get them in somewhere, right? And, uh, and sure enough, then, you know, another, you know, made my day. And we won, like, yeah, double bubble. <laughs> yeah. That game against Syracuse, everyone will always remember it as the shot from the parking lot. But... What's often forgot is the game that Jermaine Mopajila had. Not by me, my boy. <laughs> As he absolutely carried <coughs> he through that stretch when it lulled. He took 10 shots and 9 of them we didn't want him to take. <laughs> <laughs> he was so good that day. He was so good. And, uh, you know, such a good guy. And I remember when we recruited him, he's from, like, where the hell is he from? Uh, an African country. I, I shouldn't know it off the top of my head, but I don't. But anyway, um, he got here. Um, he had gone to some prep school in Connecticut or something. So now he gets here and recruiting. It's like October. Now, if you grew up here, you know the weather is getting way nicer than yeah. it was 
in the 90s or the 80s from when I got here. For sure. So anyway, he gets here. It's like October 15th, and it is perfect, perfect day, you know. I'm thinking, man, you can't have a better recruiting trip than this, you know. And so, uh, so he says to me, uh, Coach, I am very happy to be here. I said, well, I'm glad you're here too. And I said, now, I, want, I want you to notice, like this every day. This is how it is. So that's it. We let it go. It never happened again. So now we go down and play Northeastern. And, and like the school is, the gym is like right on Newberry Street or Commonwealth Ave, one of the yeah. high-end streets, right? And, and so, so uh, it is, the wind is blowing the snow sideways, and you, you can't park on the street, you know? You, so we had to go all the way around to this alley or whatever the hell it was and then walk back to, you know, to, the, to the gym. And it was really miserable. It was freezing. And uh, so I, I was walking along, running along, actually. He came running right up. And this was, I don't know, four years later, maybe five years later. I don't know, four years anyway. Came running right up alongside me. And he said, you lied to me. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about lied to you? Told me the weather was nice every day. <laughs> I said, you still remember that? I hope you remember some of the important stuff I told you. But he was a joy, too. He was just great to have, and he did. He carried us that day. Boy, he was tremendous. He was like 9 for 10 and a couple of threes, four or five steals. Yeah. I mean, he was just lights out. And the thing about Sorrentine, I love Sorrentine to death. He wasn't any good that day. Yeah. You know, four for 18, he still shot the next one. <laughs> yeah. He had, you know. Coppinerath had a tough game. Yeah, right. I mean, that wasn't... Uh, and I, I say this, Tom, and I say this out of respect to those who followed us. I do. We were a great team. I put that team up against anybody. I would, any of our teams. Yeah. But that being said, they've played better. Mm-hmm. They played better against Florida State. They played better against Purdue. Uh, they played better against Arkansas and, and had nothing to show for it. You know? yeah. and, and people say to me, when's the next, <laughs> when's the next Syracuse? Uh, I don't know. They're hard to get. They're yeah. hard to get. Let's start with 13 and 4 or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you, you let us play any 13 seed in the country, we, we'll beat them. You know, we'll beat them. I'm sure of that. But now you've got to go play a 4. And, right. and we've done that with Purdue. Played the heck out of them, you know. So there's, there's some luck involved. You know, there's some calls involved. You get, things just got to go right. And, um, and, um, and I, I, I think it will again. I mean, I think they're good enough, you know. Uh, you just got to keep plugging away. True or false? You told them you did not want to be leading that game at halftime. No, that you know who got you know who, you know who that was. That was uh, Alex Jensen. Told Sorrentine. Uh, he said uh, he said for obvious reasons. He said because if you're winning at halftime, it's going to upset them. They'll get all wound up, and uh, it'll make it harder in the second half. And that was his that was his belief. I didn't necessarily. <laughs> Buy into it. I, I didn't hear it until later. Yeah. Of course, you know he didn't come up and say, "Hey, I got something to say here." Man, before we ran out on the court, uh, but and and again, think about that game: twenty-two nineteen at the half. It was a terrible game. <laughs> Did you guys ever have to pay for a drink on Church Street after that game? Uh, that's a personal question. That is really a personal question. Short answer: and oh. <laughs> No, and that ran out. By the way, I didn't think it would. That ran out. You know that you'll never have to pay for a meal in Burlington again. Yep. Never. Uh huh. That's not true. That is not true. I can. New tell you owners that. come about. And That's it. People got short memories, kid. Yep. <laughs> so you've retired. You move forward. How much are you enjoying? Kind of getting to do what you want and still kind of being around basketball. I know I've called tons of games in the auditorium. Very odd. And I see you in the corner oh. watching. 
my greatest, oh, of all the places, of all the places I get to go, to go watch Division Three and Four girls and boys. That is so neat to me. That is so neat. I live for that. And uh, I remember, this is a funny story about the Barry Orton. Scott Reed was playing, so who knows when that would have been? Early 80s, late 80s, yeah. right? And he, he, who did he play for? Fairhaven, I think. Yep. And, and so, so I want to go down and watch him. Uh, I didn't say anything to anybody. Uh, I just got in my car and went down there. It might, matter of fact, that might have been one of the first times I ever went there. And, um, and I get there, and it's sold out, totally sold out. And um, so I'm just kind of standing there, you know, hoping that somebody will notice me. Just get me in the building, you know, I don't care about. I don't, I don't, I just want to get in. I'll stand yeah. in the rafters. I don't care, you know. And so, uh, so all of a sudden a guy comes up and he says, Coach, what are you doing here? I said, Man, just, just came to see some good basketball. I said, But I don't have a ticket. I can't get in. He said, Oh, get, can't get in. Get over. Get with me. And he, and he said, Matter of fact, I'm going to take you to so and so's. I wish I could remember names better. I'm going to take you to so and so where he is. A guy, Tommy, had been collecting tickets there for 50 years. 50. Mm-hmm. Think about that. And he said, Coach, it's so, I'm so proud to meet you. It's such a pleasure. Now I go walking in, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm walking down the steps, and a guy says to me, Coach, I got a seat for you over here, which I don't know where he got that or how that happened. So now, and this is, and this is before we were pretty. I want you to know that, right? And so I'm walking down there. I'm going to recruit Scott Reed. That was 100 years ago. And um, I'm walking down, and the guy says, I got a seat for you right over there. I don't believe it. Right in the middle of the place, you know, third row or whatever it was. I start to walk, and the guy on the microphone says, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to announce a special guest here with us tonight. I I was so jacked, Tommy. I thought, how cool is this? Other than the Palestra in Madison Square Garden, you're going to the greatest arena you ever want to go to, and they announce your name as soon as you get there. <laughs> and I went back every year. I always you, you, you said yeah. it. I always used to go. I love going to those games, man. I look forward to it. Go to Mulligan's down the bottom of the hill or whatever that place was. It was a joint uh, yep. McGillicuddy's or yep. Mull- you know, and you know a lot of coaches. You know, start talking, moving salt shakers around, and uh, I, I did. I loved it. I, I thought it was it was just a great. A, I still think to this day it's a it's a great thing, and I think that that it's neat that they play there. The whole the whole concept, the whole nine yards, and and you know because we're on the radio, we got to touch a lot of people. Out of Burlington, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the thing. Like, uh, you know, when I went to Barry, a lot of people I knew, a lot of people, a lot of people knew me. You know, it was just like, and and I realized more of them knew me because just because right. of the situation. But uh, you know, I was never never against making a new friend down there, or you know, going to have a beer with somebody. That was always really a big part of it, and you know, finding out about their school and all that stuff. And so I've I've lived a a blessed life in that regard. I really have, and 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 I love where I am. I love my life now. I just wish. I know I don't even. I was going to say I wish I was a bit healthier, but uh, a lot of people, you know, don't cry for me, Argentina. Yeah. But that being said, I love it. I love it. I go. Uh, I, I have my seats for the men's and women's. Uh, I go to high school games. Paul Pecor, the coach at Rice, came to my camp when he when he could barely walk. Yeah. You know, I've known. You know, or or uh, uh, Walt Bauman's son now his grandson is a freshman at Colchester. You know. I knew him when he was born, you know, yeah. and, and to go watch. and Or Davis's son plays at Colchester, you know. I remember when he was a baby, you know, and, and Davis was the coach at MMU, and he played with uh, Pecor yep. and at uh, Norwich. Norwich, right? Yeah. So so I've known those guys for – and I, I'll tell you a cute story. You won't want to use this, but I told both of them, both of them were longtime campers, and I told them both, 
that we were not going to recruit them. And I said, I'm doing you a favor here. Uh, I just want to be honest with you. Uh, Paul Booth wants both of you guys badly. And I think it would be a great fit. Just telling you. Right? Okay, that was it. No, never a word. At a, at a joint called, ah, whatever, Winooski. We were in a joint Winooski one night. And, uh, and they were in there uh, with a couple of other coaches. And um, so we just started talking. And um, I said to them, you know, I gave you the best advice you ever got in your life. You know that, right? And he, of course, said, what you did was break our effing hearts. <laughs> Honest to God, Tom, I felt so bad. I did. I felt, I thought, oh, man, oh, man. And I'm thinking, well, what do you think? What do you think? They didn't think they could play for mine? Or, <laughs> but, you know, you got to make the hard calls sometimes. But I never had thought about it that way, you know? Yeah. I never did. I thought, I really did do these kids a favor. <laughs> Not break their effing heart. <laughs> right. Uh, so it must be fun for you now to see uh, Sorrentine starting to prosper as a coach. And even Coppenrath had his stint with the Missiscoy girls, which that I think was a lot similar to your journey, starting out <laughs> starting out kind of at the bottom, trying to build up. I went to his first game in Missiscoy. Guy came in with the boots on. Farmer came in with the boots on. Dirty, you know, yep. said to me, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> I said, there's no way this guy can know who I am. He did, but what the hell are you doing here? I said, I came to see Copperbrand. What do you think I'm doing here? What are you doing here? He said, same reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But I've, had, I've made so many wonderful friends in this state, this community. And, um, you know, and now, like I said, now, now it's just, um, you know, stay as healthy as I can, um, you know, support people, uh, you know, pay it forward. I just I, I I couldn't be happier with my life. I really couldn't. I'm I'm very very lucky. Well, I can't thank you enough for inviting me over and let me talk to you for an hour and a half. Yeah, I know it's my fault, not your fault. I never. Oh shut no, up. please. <laughs> I, all right, all right, my boy. Well, thank you. I can't thank Coach Brennan enough for his time and man, so much fun just to sit down and talk to him. <laughs> he kind of joked about it. He did most of the talking, and I am completely okay with that. You don't hear a ton from me in this episode, and couldn't be happier. Just tee it up and let him go. And so many great stories that are the big reason why I want to do a podcast like this and why we wanted to do the Uncommon Deeds podcast is to preserve history and preserve stories, but above it all is to hear those stories from the people themselves. And Coach Brennan is such a storyteller and has so much fun reliving and telling these stories that super grateful that we got to make this episode happen, especially so early in the process of this particular podcast. And I think it helps a little bit that we've had the success that we've had with the Uncommon Deeds podcast. And, you know, special thank you and shout out to Justin St. Louis, who does that show with me. And he does all the marketing and graphics work for 
this podcast. I think it gave us a little boost and credibility in terms of getting some of the guests right off the bat that we've had for this show. And I think there are tons more coming that are going to be just as exciting for me to talk to and great stories to hear. I can't wait to continue this journey on this podcast with you guys. Please be sure to check out the Facebook page, No Fouls Pod. Like it. Share this episode with people, whether it be on Facebook, share the post, send a text to a friend that would like it. Let's spread the word because it makes it more and more accessible for other people to hear. And I think it makes it a little easier for us to talk to bigger names to be guests on this show. We want to thank our sponsor, CVTSport.net. I've known Carl for a long time. I think I've been doing games for Carl, God, 13, 14 years. He gave me the opportunity to pick up games and continue to hone my craft after I got back from college and I was doing basketball games for WSKI and then I would do games for Carl on nights I wasn't there and he gave me the opportunity to really kind of grow and get more experience and part of the reason I did this show was to open perspective and to tell all these stories and bring exposure to high school basketball in Vermont and Carl and CVTSport.net do a great job of giving the opportunity to people to see local games. And now as we are in 2023 and I said one of the good things that come out of COVID is all these schools kind of realize the opportunity to stream games and give people not in their area or in their area, the opportunity to watch games, check them out, cvtsport.net. Full highlight clips, live-streamed games, quite an archive, and not just high school sports, Thunder Road, VTC, Roller Derby, MMA. Check them out, cvtsport.net. If you want to be a part of the show, and sponsor the show, you can send us an email, uncommonmediavt at gmail.com. We pride ourselves on over-delivering for our sponsors. Other than that, if you're new to the podcast, and I think we're going to have a lot of new listeners for this particular episode, go back, listen to some of our old episodes of No Fouls. So many great ones. Uta Otley had such a great story. Matt Johnson, who we talked about a little bit in this episode. I mean, all of them we've had so far. Great stories and something to take from all of them. Go check them out. If you're all caught up on those, go check out the Uncommon Deeds podcast. We talked to the biggest names in New England stock car racing. If you like this episode, go listen to the Uncommon Deeds episode with Ken Squire. I think they're very similar. You can also check out the New Sports Order podcast, Talking Football, myself, Sterling Pingree, and then just sit tight and wait for next week's episode 
of no fouls because we will be back as for this episode it has been a production of uncommon media <laughs>